Welcome everybody to tonight's Scottsdale Big Book meeting, where we will have two guest speakers tonight. We have Roz G and Craig F attending the meeting tonight, and you're both very welcome. Uh, my name is Orgian, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from County Mead in Ireland, and I will be your host for today's study. The co-hosts are Johan N, Kathy and Kathy M and Sue L. If you have any questions during the meeting, please contact either the host or the co-host by private message in the chat function. Please note that the two speakers will have 30 minutes speaking each, and after this, we will have a half an hour of questions and answers. However, the questions and answers will not be recorded. Um, and the previous recordings also in the chat box. We would ask you if you can please make sure your microphone is on mute at all times during today's meeting. And also, please turn off your video if you are exercising, eating, or if you need to step away from your screen at any point. And I'm not sure if you have decided who's going first, but you're both very welcome. And whoever wants to come in there, and I will, I will time for half an hour. What way would you like the time? Um, Roz or Craig? Craig, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Yeah. Uh, your choice, ladies first, as far as I'm concerned, and I'll take my time at the, with a five-minute warning. So. Okay, I'll, I'll go first since it's ladies first. What do you want your time? We have 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, I guess um, like 10 and 5. I, I haven't never, I don't think I've ever done a 30-minute share before, so I'll try my best. Perfect. I'll let you know 10 minutes to the end and then five minutes to the end. Okay, so is it my turn to start speaking? Yep, go ahead. The floor is yours. Okay, well, I'm going to pray because um, I didn't, uh, I'm prepared, but you know, I don't have anything written because Harlan says he really prefers it when somebody just shares. And I was very honored when he asked me to speak today. So I'm going to do it the way he likes it. And um, I'm going to just say, God, um, I ask you to please just, you know, calm me down have me to have a humble spirit and um, share my my story, my experience, strength, and hope in, in, in order that I may help somebody today so that somebody is encouraged, somebody is helped, and that I'm being a servant for you. I ask you, and thank you very much. <clears throat> so uh, my name is Roz G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I am not in the dog park right now. I'm in my humble little office at home in Palmdale, California. And um, I'm just, you know, look at this little, this Overeaters Anonymous. They call it, that. they used to call it the chocolate book. And I came into Overeaters Anonymous in um, 2002 in January. Um, it was a New Year's, resolution. I was going to get thin because the week before was Christmas and we were at my <clears throat> mother's house. <clears throat> um, I was living in, in, in American kind of style poverty, you know, on the welfare system with food stamps and welfare in a very, very hard, difficult marriage. And um, just a jealous middle middle sister, middle of the sisters, eldest and youngest, you know, just jealous. And it was a hard Christmas because I was, of course, overweight. And 
my mother bought my sisters and I each a sweater for Christmas. And I'm wearing a sweater today, but um, she bought each of us a, a sweater and she bought them very colorful sweaters and me a black sweater. And I felt so dejected. It was all about me, of course. It wasn't about Christ's birth or thankfulness or gratefulness about getting gifts. It was about why my mother bought me a black sweater and my sister's colorful sweaters. It was because black is slimming. And my mother was saying, well, Roz, Roz looks fat, so I'm going to buy her a black sweater. And, you know, it's slimming. I always was so defensive and and, and jealous and, and thinking negative thoughts. And I, I don't think I was rude about the gift. I believe I said, thank you. But I do remember my youngest sister saying to me, well, it, you could stand to lose a few pounds. And on Christmas day, to hear that from your sister after receiving a black sweater, it was, it was just the worst day ever. And I remember cursing and saying, you know, the F word on Christmas Day and you're around your family is really rude. And I just remember eating, eating, I just believe I just ate whatever the rest of that day, probably a whole lot of chocolate chip cookies, because that's what I used to, one of my binge foods was chocolate chip cookies. And I remember driving, I don't remember driving home that night. I think I was in some kind of an anger, food, emotional blackout. And uh, the next morning I went to the whole weedery. You know, you have these little mama and papa health food stores in your towns. Ours is called the whole weedery. And I used to go to the whole weedery and buy flax, flax oil and wheat germ. And I used to make this concoction of that and drink it as, as a laxative of abuse. I was an abuser of laxatives and an over-exerciser to, to compensate for what I was eating. And um, I just sat there at seven o'clock in the morning, waiting for the store to open on after the the day after Christmas morning, when normally you're home and you're you're in your warm home and you're looking at your gifts or you're just grateful that you have the day off. If if those of you who have the day off after Christmas, and I'm in, I'm in the parking lot looking for some some stuff to flush all the the crap out of my system that I ate the day before, thinking I've I've got to find some kind of loot some way to lose some weight, and um. A week later in January, I made that resolution and I thought, you know, I've tried everything else and I'll talk about that more in a few minutes. And I was on this old beat up computer that a neighbor had given me. A neighbor downstairs gave me this dilapidated computer because I, you know, in 2002, I think it was, I didn't have a computer. Um, I was living on welfare, had very little. I didn't have a cell phone. And I had this dilapidated computer and it did have the internet on it. We had a modem in those days and it was so slow, but I looked up, I looked up Overeaters Anonymous because years before I had been to an OA meeting after I had my first baby, I asked my friend in Alcoholics Anonymous, is there some kind of a program for people who with food, like your AA, because she was in AA. Is there something with food? And she said, yeah, there's Overeaters Anonymous. And so years before I had been to one of their meetings, but it was so vague in my memory. I just remember sitting in a circle on Sherman on Sherman Way Boulevard in the receipt in the San Fernando Valley intergroup uh, meeting. Um, and just a bunch of thin women 
sitting in a circle talking. And I thought, what, what the f- is this? This isn't, um, this isn't like a weight loss kind of thing. And, uh, but I, I, it popped up on that old dilapidated computer and it said, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, welcome home. And I thought, wow, that's really nice. And I found a meeting in my area. And I went to the meeting and, and at that meeting, uh, it was on, it was like the first week of January. Uh, this lady, the, there were three ladies. There was only three ladies in there. And I told them about the black sweater story. And each of them did this. They shook their head. They understood how I felt, no matter how selfish and self-centered it was, they understood how I felt. And this lady gave me this book and she said, here, here, honey, you can take this. Just put some money over time. It'll pay for itself. And she gave me this for today book and they gave me this chocolate book too. There was no big book there, but that is a very precious and, and, and special memory to me. So I'm going to share my screen right now. No, it's disabled. I can't. Uh, Let's see. If I can't share my screen. Oh, here we go. Okay. Thank you. All right. So I'm sharing my screen with you right now. And this is what I looked like um, in the previous to 2002. Um, I'm kind of hovering my mouse. I was at a church, a ladies retreat, and I was playing Julia Childs in a comedy skit because I love I love comedy. I really wanted to be the next Carol Burnett, but that didn't happen. Probably best. But anyway, um, and I was, you know, I did most of my eating at church. So these were my church days. And, um, and then I got a, I was, um, I, I got a job um, with the county as a tutor. And um, I, I became a professional tutor for the county system with boys who were um, incarcerated. And that's just kind of my, my, my little chubby face with my double chin, which my husband, former dead husband used to make fun of my double chin. And then here's me in between my two thin sisters. And while I have a smile on my face, trust me, I was never happy fat in in between my two sisters, never. Now, this is many years later, but um, this is, um, this is, you know, Kobe Bryant died a few years ago and we, you know, we went to his memorial and here's me just standing next to, well, you can't see it because I cut it out, but then here's me at Stepping Stones at one of the Vision for You conferences. Here's me in a nice dress that I bought. I did get a black belt. <laughs> I, I accompanied my son to karate lessons and they, they had a parent program. So I just want to show that, you know, I've done so many interesting things over the years in Overeaters Anonymous and getting a black belt, a double black belt, one of them. And that's just kind of like the before and after. So that, so you have an idea that, yes, I, I have, I've been there. I understand how it feels. I don't know if I ever got to 200 pounds. I did while I was pregnant, but I stopped weighing myself because I couldn't stand looking at myself, looking at the scale. I couldn't stand it. I was busting out of a size 16. Um, it was. I know that a size 16 pants was very, very tight on me. I think I got up to a 20, but it, it was just so awful. Just wearing stretch pants was enough. And um, so, um, you know, I... I, I I started going to Overeaters Anonymous meetings and I got my first sponsor at Leanne and uh, there was no big book. Um, um, well, it was sort of, she said, read two pages of the big book a day 
and answer these questions, you know, and, and I did what she said, but maybe a lot of us have been in OA where there was really no big book. Um, and she's told me to stop eating sugar for a month for 30 days. And when she told me to do that, uh, I was, I kind of panicked, uh, you know, and then I said, well, um, and then she asked me about coffee and I said, well, I drink coffee all day to, um, so that I won't eat. And she said, well, it's very important that we feel our feelings. So you're going to need to stop drinking coffee all day. And I panicked at not being able to drink coffee all day, you know, fully caffeinated coffee and sugar, chocolate chip cookies. Oh my God. The things I did with, with chocolate chip cookie dough, I, I used to like get the uh, Pillsbury dough and um, I cook it so that it was really, really soft, like not a full cook, cook, cooked cookie and just eat almost the whole thing of dough. And I remember passing out and waking up and feeling like crap, just so terrible. I didn't know I was, ha I was having a food hangover. And um, I remember uh, eating a, a Sara Lee chocolate cake and it was, you know, you get it out of the freezer and and I would put it out on the counter, go to church, come home from church on Sunday night. And it wasn't all the way thawed, but I still just one bite of that chocolate on chocolate cake. And I wanted more and macaroni and cheese and watching soap operas. I used to sit and look at Erica Kane, you know, Suzanne Lucci, that actress is about this thin. And I used to think, oh, I'm going to look like Erica Kane someday or any of the other soap opera actresses, you know, they were so thin. But I was a stay-at-home mom, depressed, broke, um, and watching everybody else live their life while I was at home eating and going to the library and um, borrowing videos because we couldn't afford to go to the you know blockbuster video and rent videos before the days of streaming, you know. So that's kind of what my life was like. And I was married to a man from Mexico. Um, uh, I married him so that he could get his green card and I didn't, and I, we eloped. I didn't tell my parents about it. And because I thought he was the only man that would ever love me. He told me no one's ever going to love you. Like I love you. And he was right. No one ever loved me. Like he loved me. Um, meaning the neglect, no one ever neglected me. Like he did. No one ever, um, neglected our children like he did. I never saw a more selfish, self-centered man in my life. Although I've met some along the way since he's died. And I don't mean like in relationships, but just people that I've, I've gotten that I've seen. Um, but you know, I've learned that this big book tells us that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our disease. And he was a compulsive overeater and he was an abusive pill, pill taker. He was addicted to Vicodin and all kinds of pain pills. When he died, um, he, he had a, a shoebox full of pills. That's an interesting story that, you know, I tell once in a while when we're studying the family afterwards that, you know, we had been divorced for, you know, several years. He disappeared. He went to Arizona, never saw the kids, um, didn't pay anything until the courts, you know, made him pay some kind of child stuff. And um, before he died, uh, we let him come back so the kids could take care of him. We, we took care of him. He died of kidney failure. And um, he it was he was just a walking skeleton, but you know with through the through the work of the twelve steps that God gave me the grace to do that. So I think you have I've I've kind of done the drunkalog long enough. Um, when we share every night, I can tell you all kinds of things that happened to me in my life. But I want to get to the re real the good recovery. So 
Yes, I never left OA. I've been to lots of birthday parties. I'm looking forward to the birthday party. I can't wait to see you guys. Um, but I've been to a lot of birthday parties since 2000s. I've never missed a birthday party, I don't think, since then. I may have, but I doubt it. And in those days, I couldn't afford to go. So they always had some kind of scholarship. So, you know, my sponsor, Shirley and Alan, on, she would drive me down and I would just do service because I couldn't afford to, you know, pay for the birthday party. And I'd go on Saturdays because I couldn't afford to stay in the hotel. But OA was always so kind to me. They never turned me away for ne- for not having funds. So I went back. I, I, I stayed in the program. I got up to about step, step 10 with that first sponsor, but my sponsor wasn't wasn't learned in the big book. and. Um, you know, step 10 came to a standstill. And I really didn't understand step step 10 till I went to Vision for View meetings. But I stayed in OA. I went to meetings. I went to Santa Clarita meetings every Saturday. I, um, I sponsored people, although I had no business sponsoring them because I didn't really have the, the spiritual experience that's awakening that this book talks about. But, you know, I had a heart to help. And um, uh it was many years later that um, I got into a lady came to the Santa Clarita office with this book in her hand. And she said that she was in a big book, big book recovery study. And she, it was online. And I was curious about, I, she looked, she looked thin, of course, you know, judgmental Ra's always wanting to be thin. Um, she looked thin and she looked serene. And she had this book on her lap and she kept referring to the book. And so um, I went to, uh, I went up to her after the meeting and I said, can you please give me the address of this meeting? I'm very interested in it. And I logged into it and I got a call the next day from Stacy. I don't think Stacy's on this meeting today, but Stacy, um, I forgot her middle initial. Anyway, Stacy said, you need a sponsor? I'd like, you know, I'll be willing to sponsor you. Stacy from Colorado. And she sponsored me and took me through the book. And um, I started going to these big book meetings on the phone. And um, I I started to, we, you know, we went through line by line. And then they, it was like this, the, the big book awakening kind of thing where they, every, every line in the big book has a question attached to it. That is a cool way to, to study the big book, to just go line by line and ask yourself the question of that line. You get an intimate relationship with this book by doing that. So um, I, I studied with them. I still didn't understand step one too much in the doctor's opinion, because I still want, because a lot of the, those meetings would say, you have a moderation problem. It's not just the, the sugar, it's a moderation problem. And I still could, you know, just kind of wanted to eat what I wanted. I wasn't really getting the doctor's opinion. So one time Stacy said to me, well, you know, Harlan says blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I, I've heard of that guy. I saw him at all those birthday parties all those years ago because he was the one who was doing the big book study. And Harlan um, was still in his a little overweight in those days more than he is now. And I'm not talking behind his back because he'll tell you 
I lost 400. I was this, I was this, I was this. And my, my sponsor, and I looked at our, she said he was once 700 pounds. He still kind of walks like it, but look at him now. Look at how great he looks. And was like, wow. And he would walk up and down and say, this program isn't a peep, isn't a, this program isn't for people who want it. This program isn't for people who need it. This program is for people who do it. This was all the way th- those years ago. He was saying that. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know? And but I didn't get to know Harlan. You know, I was too busy socializing and doing all the other fun things that you do at the party than getting serious about my recovery. I was more into the social and the dance and stuff, you know. Um, but when it got really painful and my life be, and it got I got very badly mangled from over exercising. I was going to the gym. I was having shoulder problems. And I, I, I just burnt out my shoulder from lifting so many weights and doing this and this and this and this and, 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 and burpees, oh, burpees, burpees. I was in those boot camp workouts and jogging and jogging to my foot. And, you know, I had two surgeries due to my over-exercising to compensate for what I was eating while I was still in Overeaters Anonymous. <laughs> and um, so I went, I started going to the Vision for You meetings because um, Stacy had told me about the, the Vision for You and some other person did too. And I started listening in and hearing these, you know, these real recovery here. In fact, I was a little resentful and jealous of some of the people. Jealousy is another character defect that could I could do a whole other um, special edition on. <laughs> but um, um, even though I was jealous and a little bit like, well, who are these people? You know, uh, it was just pride and ego. But uh, I got a sponsor from this group. And my, and then they told me about Herb K and when Herb K started talking about ego reduction at depth, and I went through the steps with him, I did his workshop. I had a sponsor from that group, Janice. I, and I started looking at step six. I had a revolutionary, a revolutionizing time in my recovery. And I learned that I was living on my character defects. I was living on jealousy. I was living on ego. I was living on pride because yeah, in OA and in other 12-step programs that that I've in, it gave me my self-esteem back. It gave me my personality back. And I went back to school. I got a master's. I got a doctorate. I got all these college degrees and I have my home and I was, and I built my, myself up and took my kids on all kinds of vacations, did all kinds of wonderful things with my kids. In fact, all of my kids have watched their mom, you know, go back to school and, and make and go and get work for a living. And one of my daughters is in AA and um, I don't have this on my thing, but you know, uh, oh, time. No, 10 minutes left. Okay. So I just want to show you this picture of us at, at Bill Wilson's home. Um, you know, where he, um, at the table, in fact, there's probably some on the, on the, uh, Scottsdale meeting right now, but that's us. She came to me with the vision at the vision for you conference. And that was like three years ago, but anyway, I mean, just look at that. That's so cool. She, that's another story of her, you know, AA story, but that's not here. So, um, um, anyway, <clears throat> what was I saying? I forgot what I was saying. Oh, I was, I, I, my ego. Yeah. So I got a food plan from this sponsor and um, I started, you know, weighing and measuring, weighing and measuring my food. That was humility for me. 
Um, this one lady at the birthday party a couple of years ago came to me in the hotel hallway and she goes, I don't like that. Why do you have to weigh and measure? That's utter, utter control. I said, no, that's utter humility. That's utter humility. Because when I look to see what's on the scale and in the measuring cups, you know, I'm looking to, I'm looking to see what a, what a, what like a rational portion size is. You know, I just pile, piled the food on and there were very, there were not very many leftovers in my refrigerator, you know, before OA. Uh, today I have a lot of leftovers. In fact, my kids are all adults now, so I don't even need to cook that much. I don't even need to buy that much. So um, I have a, and then I, and as I've been, um, you know, I've been to the, I've been to the vision for you. Um, uh, what do they call them? The conventions. I've been to two of those. I've made friends. Um, I love the theater in New York. So um, I had a roommate that also loves the theater in New York. So after the, the conference, we, we, we got, we took a train and we saw shows together. She came to the LA birthday party. We saw a show out here and um, I've made friends in OA. Um, what's happened to me in my life? Like besides just, you know, recovery and yes, every morning I meditate and pray. I, I, I ha I'm in another program now that has to do with um, sex, love and relationships because I'm like anorexically, you know, haven't been with a man in many, many years um, and in a relationship. But um, this relate this this recovery is teaching me that I need to be a whole person and not long for that. There's nothing wrong with wanting that, but I need to come from a place of balance and strength. If I don't have that, I will I will bring a broken and needy woman into a relationship. And I don't want that. And I don't think any guy wants that either. So I'm really working on that. And uh I I I sit in the morning and meditate deeply with 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 Christ. You know, that's my my higher power is Christ. And I believe that I've even seen him in some of my meditations, but you know, people won't believe that. So I don't want to say that too much, but it could just be my imagination, but it's like when you're, when I'm deep in my, in my meditation with my higher power, I, I, I get so much recovery. And, um, so anyway, so today, what's my life like today? Well, you know, I, with you guys, I'm on these meetings all the time, every night, but you know, with the time difference, I'm usually like walking my dogs or whatever. So I'm on the meetings every night. I sponsor people from five to six in the morning, uh, California time. And, um, that is, a, that's, a, I have to be sponsoring. I'm afraid not to sponsor people. Um, what else do I do? Um, I, I just got elected to be the board chair of the Los Angeles intergroup. I wasn't even looking to do that job. I wasn't looking for that. But my 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 sponsor in this other program told me when you give and you give with your whole heart, things will come back to you. And it was said to me that they needed people on the board. And I thought, OK, I'll find some job to do. And somebody said, I think you'd make a great chair. And I thought, well, I don't want to be filled with my ego. And they all shook their head and said no. And so um, I'm going to be, that's going to be like a new, an exciting service position for me this year, or I don't know how long the service position is. I think it's a few years. Um, so I got elected for that. 
Um, I became a master gardener. When I was working on my doctorate program, it was so freaking stressful going out. And my dad, who's a, a major gardener, said to me, why don't you start a garden out there? So I started with one little raised bed and it's turned into this, you know, a big, beautiful garden with veg, fresh vegetables. And I went to a master gardener program. I got I got chosen to and I and I have a, a certificate in, in being a master gardener. I went to. Thank you. I went to Israel and uh, because of Zoom meetings, there were two people in Israel with whom I was able to um, give my step work to. You know, we were on the same time zone and we understood each other completely. And they and I, they had, you know, I had to tell them every stop we go to, there's ice cream. And I didn't have to eat ice cream in Israel. And that was a bucket list trip for me to see the Holy Land. And um, what else? Um, I love to ride my bike. I'm a big dog, a big fan fan of Labrador retrievers. I, they're my ally dogs. One of them is a compulsive overeater. <laughs> One of them isn't. Um, my kids are all production productive members of society. Um, my my mother and father are still alive. They're in their 80s, and I have good relationships with them. Um, God has removed the jealousy from me, and um, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a work in progress, but that was a, a, a plague, a plague, a plaguing to character defect for me. Um, that has been re- removed, I believe I, but I have to remain in fit, spirit, fit, spiritual condition. Um, so yeah, I eat my three meals. I have a food plan. I have a, I have a, um, uh, a food uh, nutritionist, but some of the stuff he put on that plan has sugar in it. So I have to remember, okay, this is, he's not God. At least he, he gave me some good ideas and uh, I have you and um, I weigh and measure my food. I take, I take, I bring my lunch almost every day, but there are a couple of restaurants like Pita Jungle. Like there's, there's this one place we call Chronic Taco and they make these wonderful salads and I can tell them what to put in it. And they're so delicious. So there's a few places where I can eat out and, and pick what I like. And uh, um, I, it's just a wonderful life. Um, I ha- I'm happy to be in recovery and I want this to be a lifetime for me. Um, and I trust God is going to bring into my life what needs to be into my life and take out of my life what don't doesn't need to be out in my life. So I think that that's just about time. And there's a lot more I could have said, but that's enough. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Harlan, for, let, for asking me to speak today. I love you very much. I pass. Thank you so much, Ross. Thank you for your experience, strength, and hope. And we'll hand over to Craig. Thanks, Craig. All right, thank you. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you, Ross, um, for your uh, talk. You know, we we're taught to uh, look for identification in these uh, talks. So when we somebody uh, speaks, we we look for. The similarities we look for the identification and you know i could sit here and and tell you that you know there's so much difference uh between her and i but there's so much the same you know and uh and and recovery is in seeing the same and seeing how she's overcome some of the same struggles that uh, that i have and uh the final identification is dogs and they're mostly lab <laughs> they're much, but they're mostly lab. And so, uh, and they're asleep and hopefully they'll stay asleep and not start barking. Um, I'm going to pray before I get going uh, uh, as well, because 
I'm a big believer in prayer. Uh, um, made a decision to turn my life and will over to God's care. And part of that includes turning it over regularly with prayer. So I'm going to turn this, uh, this discussion, this talk over uh, to God as well. Uh, dear God, help, him, help me this today. Guide my thoughts and actions. Guide my speech that uh, I might use it to be of service to you and my fellows. Help me to speak from my heart and uh, speak humbly and honestly about where I've been, what happened, and what it's like now. Uh, thank you for all you do and your involvement in my life today. Amen. So uh, with that, uh, I'm going to uh, turn my video back on. I have a, a bandwidth problem, and sometimes that'll throw me out, but uh, we're going to give it a try. I want to start, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you uh, the brief version of my story. But before I do that, I want to read uh, from page 25 in the big book, uh, from my favorite chapter, There is a Solution. Um, and uh, my video keeps turning itself off. I don't know who's doing that. But anyway, there is a solution. Uh, at the top of page 25, it says, Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its, for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had to come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The fact is this and nothing less that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered our heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. Um, I, I uh, will come back to that in a minute and it'll fit right in, I hope. Um, I was born a compulsive overeater. I, uh, I, I believe uh, at least uh, a lot of my childhood, uh, I had a lot of food thoughts, a lot of food obsession. I always felt I was different. Uh, I was athletic as a kid. I was active as a kid. We lived in the country. I, I played basketball. I played football. I played baseball. I ran track. Uh, I uh, uh, ran through the fields when I wasn't doing that. I hunted. I fished. Uh, you know, um, I had an active childhood and, uh, you know, parents that were doing as good a job as they could do in spite of their uh, shortcomings. Um, the, uh, so my weight didn't become a problem, uh, until I was, uh, uh, about 16 and was able to start driving freely. I had a job, I had money. Uh, I worked at a grocery store part-time while I was going to high school. Um, I've always worked and, uh, with that freedom came the ability to get whatever I wanted and with that came weight. I'm 6'4". I reported for football my junior year at 240. And uh, 
the football coach, uh, who's also the basketball coach, said, you need to lose 20 pounds. And I had my first experience with a diet and it worked uh, in, in spite of uh, my uh, ignorance and, and, and lack of knowledge of what to do. I went from 240 to 220, which is what he wanted, which at 6'4", I'm, you know, pretty good shape at 220. And uh, uh, I, I held that till I got out of high school. And I thought, this is easy. I've got this made. And <laughs> I didn't have it made. I, uh, it, it set off a, a cycle of, uh, of uh, gain and lose, gain and lose, gain and lose, trying everything for the next 20 years. Uh, I, I was married young, had two kids, uh, put myself through college while I was married, uh, worked full time, went to school full time. Um, Got, I have a degree in architecture and a degree in structural engineering. Um, I was uh, uh, always uh, oh, ambitious, I guess is the best word. There was never enough of anything, you know, life, money, food, women, whatever. You know, it was always, always wanted more. I had the more disease. And, uh, <clears throat> but my weight went up and down, up and down. I, you know, like a yo-yo and I, I've tracked it and, and, you know, uh, I tried paying ways. I tried cabbage soup cleanses. I did uh, uh, the uh, uh, drinking man's diet. I, I did the 500 calories a day with the shots that the hormones of distilled from the urine of pregnant women and, you know, the amphetamines, all that from a doctor. Uh, lost a lot of weight in a hurry. Uh, got to where I couldn't hold my hands still. Uh, I was still in college, still in architectural school at the time and I, I I was going to school going headed up to the studio and my hand was trembling and I knew I couldn't draw with my hand trembling so I stopped I was going to get some herbal tea and I I walked to the hip to the counter and they had uh, a little, little sandwich cookies uh, uh, like Oreos but not chocolate uh, on sale at the counter and I uh, bought a package and I thought uh, I'll have a few of those. Maybe that'll settle me down with this herbal tea. And uh, of course, the package. And I was going to take the package up and let you know pass it out among my uh, friends in the studio. And of course, the, it was all gone by the time I got there. Tri triggered the allergy, and I, I didn't understand the allergy then. But uh, I, uh, uh, I, 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 you all know what happened. I. Once I ate those cookies, I couldn't stop eating. And uh, 60 pounds or so that I lost on that 500 calorie day diet uh, came back on uh, in a hurry and I uh, was back and running. Um, so anyway, I went through all that and up and down, up and down, up and down. Finally, I was on another up cycle and uh, I hit 400 pounds. And uh, uh, the uh, a doctor, went to the doctor. The doctor tells me I'm, I'm at 410. Actually, the doctor tells me that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to die in five years that uh, I'm going to drown in my own juices, you know, just a terrible phrase and uh, scared me to death. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not even 40 years old yet. And she's telling me I'm, I'm headed to the grave. And, uh, I, uh, remember clenching my fist and shaking my head and, and gritting my teeth and saying this is it that's all I needed to hear 
by God, I'm going to do this. This time I'm going to really lose the weight. And this time I'm going to keep it off by God. You know, I'm going to exert this horrific willpower that I have and I'm going to make it work. And uh, I walked out of that doctor's office and got in my truck and started down the road. And I passed one fast food restaurant and I passed a second fed fast food restaurant. And I got to the third one and it was lunchtime. And I said, uh, well, I'm going to get a couple of hamburgers and I'll start this diet in the morning. And I remember being compelled to eat those, uh, those hamburgers. And I remember, you know, just like feeling I had no choice. And, and I look back now and I know I, I understand better what was happening to me. Uh, and the first thing is I was afraid, you know, I was feeling horrible fear that I was about to die from my own hand and um what do i do how you know how how could i handle fear the only tool i had to handle handle fear was to mute it with food you know and that's why frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices is that frothy emotional appeal simply scares me and unless i have the tools of this program and in, in, in other words unless i have the steps of this program unless i have uh, a life of surrender and acceptance that um, it's going to compel me to eat. It's not going to compel me uh, for very long anyway into, uh, uh, into a life of uh, moderation. So, um, and, and then of course, once the first uh, compulsive bite went in my mouth, the rest of it was history. Um, and the ability to start in the morning was not there. Um, anyway, uh, at, at, at about 39 years old, I'd been married 20 years at that point. Had two kids. Uh, my, uh, I'd lost a business. Uh, I'd been developing real estate there in, in Phoenix. Lived in Phoenix at the time. Was developing real estate and had made a lot of money. And the savings and loan that I was in debt to went broke when all the savings and loans were going broke. Called my loans due and it broke me. Um, and uh, so now my life is uh, in the toilet. Uh, my financial I'm bankrupt financially, I'm bankrupt emotionally, I'm bankrupt spiritually, I'm bankrupt physically. And my wife decides that she's been rich and she's been poor, but she's not going to be poor with me again. And uh, she wants out. And, uh, you know, uh, Harlan was talking the other day about resentments growing in our minds and how, you know, that uh, over a period of time, we uh, uh, start remembering things differently and 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 you know I, I i have to be careful to say she had every right to be upset with me and went out of that marriage there's no doubt about it but i uh, you know uh, i'd like to tell the story where i'm a victim in this but i'm not um, she wanted out and uh, i uh, i i know now that uh, it was a good thing to do she uh, so when she asked for that, we, we had to go to counseling. I got a counselor that had been sober in uh, AA for 20 years. And uh, we had to go to counseling because we had one minor child. And, and uh, in Arizona at the time, they wouldn't give you a divorce unless you tried to fix your marriage uh, if you had a minor child. So uh, I went to this counselor with, this, with 20 years and he... Uh, he listened to me for an hour, and when I was done, when, when we were done talking after the hour, he said, here's what I think you need to do. He said, I think you need to go to 
OA, Overeaters Anonymous. And he said, and after you've been going for about a year and you're ready to be honest with me, he said, uh, come back and see me. Maybe we can do some good. And, you know, it hurt my feelings because I thought, of, I mean, I'm an Eagle Scout. I thought uh, I, I'm a very honest person. You pay, give me too much change. I'm going to give you, give it back to you. You know, I had cash register honesty. But when it came down to being honest about, about my feelings or about my part and things, I had no clue. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, I didn't even know there was a problem. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't even know I was messed up. So anyway, uh, uh, he, he told me that and I, I left and I went and I went to OA. And, and I'm going to come to now to talk a little bit about um, the things that get in the way of our recovery. You know, uh, I, I heard early in the program that, um, you know, the biggest enemies of, the, of this program are youth brains and success. That, uh, you know, when we're, when we're young and, and uh, we haven't suffered much yet, when we're successful, if our diets are successful, if uh, we're successful at keeping our way under control, if we're uh, successful at our relationships, um, it, uh, we're, uh, and if we're really intelligent, we think that uh, we can figure most everything out. Uh, this, this program isn't going to work very well for us. Uh, at, at first, probably uh, it has a lot less chances of success. You know, I, I, I think I'm pretty intelligent. Uh, I, I may not uh, come off that way, but <laughs> no, I think I'm pretty intelligent. And uh, I think that uh, I've been pretty successful about a lot of things. But what happened to me was uh, that uh, I, I came in and because I'm pretty strong-willed, and now I had a, uh, and now I had um, a support group. I had a place to go and share my feelings and talk about that what was wrong and prevent the buildup of emotion. Uh, uh, I uh, was able to get on a food plan right away. I got a sponsor, did the first three steps with the Westminster question, and I started losing weight. I was going to the gym every day. Um, uh, I was going to an OA meeting in the evening and then I we had an all night gym and uh, I was living in Allentown, uh, Pennsylvania and, and flying back and forth to Arizona because I was, that's where the work was. That's where my work was. And I, uh, but I was uh, able to, uh, able to start losing weight and I was losing weight 15 pounds a month, uh, just regular. I mean, you know, that's a half a pound a day. It was peeling off. Uh, I went from 410 down to 260 in, uh, in, in 10 months and, uh, success, you know, youth brains and success. And I was pretty full of myself. You know, I, I wasn't, didn't turn down an opportunity to speak and I hadn't gotten past the third step. And, uh, you know, I'd had a, a sponsor in, uh, about the time we finished, and so, but I, uh, you know, I, I took that and ran with it, and and uh, then then I remember I went through a period of time after I moved I moved to Tulsa because the work moved to Tulsa, and I've uh, been here pretty much ever since. I 
had a couple of years in Vegas around the turn of the century, but uh, um, came back. But um, I, I, I uh, uh, after I moved, I, you know, those, those kind of willful periods of recovery, which I'm going to identify as relief. I had relief, not recovery. Um, they, uh, there's always a shelf life to them. You know, they, they come and, and at some point, at some point that's going to wrap up. That's going to uh, not, if it's not based in this um, complete psychic change that this passage in the big book talks about, uh, you know, it, it may last for a while, but it's not going to last forever. But I, I got here and when I got here, I, uh, I, I started going through that period of time that, you know, the slip and fall uh, uh, recovery where I was, uh, you know, I would get six months and I'd slip and I'd get uh, 90 days and I'd slip. Sometimes I'd get a day and I'd fall and, uh, you know, and I kept getting back on and I kept getting, you know, trying to stay in the fold, but I couldn't maintain it. And, and, you know, I was making some other decisions that, uh, that, that helped in that. I, you know, some, I was single now and I wasn't living my life in a, in a way that I, you know, Harlan says, if you're doing things that you don't want on the front page of the newspaper tomorrow, um, you know, then you need to think about your life. And he also tells me that he can't, uh, he, he can't, uh, live the life 12 steps without following the 10 commandments. And, you know, I, I was certainly trying to do that, you know, live with my, with a foot in both worlds. And, and, and there's this, there's an impediment to recovery An impediment to recovery is to not live your life um, the way you believe it needs to be lived. I can't carry around the guilt of an affair, for instance, and, uh, and, and still live a life of integrity that's required to live the 12 steps. Um, so uh, now I've got uh, youth brain success. I'm, I'm holding on to that. I did it for a year. Why can't I do it now? I'm, I'm, you know, I've got youth brain success. I've got this uh, idea that I, you know, I'm living this life of, uh, of, of dishonesty. onto it. So uh, I, again, uh, even in the program, it's up, it's down. It's, uh, you know, uh, I go good for a while, I'll go bad for a while. Um, I tried everything back before uh, cell phones, you know, in the 90s. And then even after, so before free long distance, I was limited, I thought, to the, you know, to sponsors here in town. And there weren't any male sponsors. There weren't any uh, male sponsors that would, that could teach the steps that could teach the big book that just wasn't held. I finally got, I'm going to brag a little bit. Uh, I, I, somebody gave me a AG Ainsworth's cell phone or a, a, a email address. And if AG Ainsworth is of course the co-founder, if there's the co-founder of OA and, you know, he and Roseanne, he'd started Glutton's Anonymous and he and Roseanne had, met up in the first uh, meeting in LA that he took his, he's a, was an oil baron and he took his private plane full of people from Texas to LA and they had the first 
conference, and that's kind of the starting of OA. And his is the second story in the Brown Book, the OA Brown Book. He agreed to sponsor me, and uh, sponsored me for years, uh, like three years, um, by email. I never met the man. Um, and, uh, you know, um, but I didn't, we weren't working the steps, not, not really. Uh, you know, he, he, he was a good man. He was a, a good sponsor in a lot of ways. We talked about a lot of things and he was nudging me the right direction, but we didn't get to it, you know, probably because I wasn't ready to get to it. Um, then he passed away. Uh, I, I, I didn't know he'd passed away. I, he just quit answering my emails until I finally heard that he found out he'd passed away. But, uh, Anyway, I, I, the point is, I was trying. I just didn't know what to try, and uh, you know, I, I think that that's kind of a block to uh, uh, another block to recovery is uh, uh, not knowing what to try, not having somebody uh, point to uh, here's the path, you know, here's the direction you need to go. Um, I heard a story in in uh, in, in vision one morning. In, they told a story. Uh, uh, my friend in New Jersey told a story about how um, having this disease is like falling in a hole and you can't get out. And your friends will point at you and say, idiot, why'd you fall in that hole? You know, everybody knew that hole was there. Your family would come along and say, you're embarrassing us by being in that hole. But neither one of them can tell you how to get out. And then the doctor comes along and he says, you know, if you stay in that hole long enough, it's going to kill you but he can't tell you how to get out of the hole either. And the psychiatrist comes along and he can't tell you how to get out of the hole either, but, uh, uh, he, he might ask you, why do you, why, why were you, uh, why did you make those decisions that you got in that hole? What were you feeling when you got in the hole? <laughs> why aren't you getting out of the hole on your own? You know, I'll ask you those kind of questions, but he doesn't know how to get out of the hole. And then finally somebody from uh, OA comes along and they jump down in the hole with you and say, I was in this hole and here's how I got out. There's 12 steps right over here. Let's go and points a flashlight at the, at the, at the way out of the hole. And, uh, you know, uh, if you don't have somebody that jumps down in the hole with you, that knows how to get out of the hole, that has a flashlight to point to the steps and say, this is the way out. That's an impediment to recovery as well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that sometimes even when those people are available, um, um, my ego wasn't ready to allow them. To, I wanted to get out of the hole on my own. And, uh, you know, so I didn't, uh, I didn't let them show me the way out of the hole and, or I wasn't, I, I didn't look when they pointed the, the light on the steps, you know, I, I didn't have the humility to say, okay, I'll follow you. And, uh, you know, so I'm stuck in the hole. And then, um, you know, I'm I, another thing that, and was keeping me that I felt like kept me back. And I remember reading a vision for you and reading about the, the spiritual experience and this real rearrangement, this reawakening. And I'm, and I wanted that, you know, didn't we all want that? And I would pray for it and I'd say, God, please give that to me. And I'd think, you know, uh, if I could have that spiritual awakening, then my procrastination, my perfectionism, wouldn't get in the way uh, of my recovery because that's what had happened. I, I, I always joke about how I uh, spent uh, uh, 
six months one time looking for the right pen or paper to do my fourth step on, you know? Um, and uh, I, when I went to a, a meeting, an AA meeting, and they had a speaker that had sobered up at Dr. Bob's house back before there was a big book. This guy was old. It was five in minutes. the 90s. Uh, five minutes? Yeah. Okay. And, and he said uh, that when he came to his first meeting, uh, he, he'd been drinking the day before. But he came in and they and sat through a speaker. And when they were done, two guys drug him to the back of the room. And they said, well, you're here. So we think, you know, your life's messed up and unmanageable. And he said, yes. And they said, so are you ready to, to uh, accept that God can restore you to sanity? And he said, yes, I am. And they prayed with him and turned his life and will over to God's care. And they took out a bar napkin and a, like a felt pit tip pen whatever equivalent they had for that in the thirties. And they, and they uh, said, okay, what have you done? And they took, they did a fourth and fifth step with him right there at the table that first night. And then they got down to who he'd hurt and what money he owed and the amends he needed to make. And uh, they made a list and that was Friday night on Saturday morning. He was back out on the street making amends. And I sat there kind of in shock thinking, it's as simple as that. You know, I've been intellectualizing this, struggling with it, trying to figure it out, trying to analyze it, trying to be perfect with it, trying to get the right pen and paper to write on. And all I need is a bar napkin and a, and a felt tip pen and, and uh, somebody that is willing to drag me along. And, uh, you know, I, I have sponsees today and if they're stumbling, I tell them to go get a set of crayons and a, and a, a grocery bag and uh, that uh, then they, and they can work the steps with that set of crayons. They can work, do their fourth step on a, on a brown paper grocery bag and a, and a set of crayons. And, uh, you know, in other words, just do it, uh, you know, get into action. And, and, and the bottom line to all that is that the, end, that the, uh, that the answer to all those impediments, the answer that for me that breaks down all of those impediments is um, action. You know, it, it, action will overcome my, my resistance, my, my uh, perfectionism, my uh, youth brains and success. I'm, I'm, I'm not young anymore. I'm 71, but I've been doing this for over 30 years. Um, it, it'll break down all those things that stand in my way. You know, desperation will do the same thing. And I've been desperate and I'm out of time. So I'm not going to tell you about my desperation, but I'm going to say that, uh, that, um, you know, uh, that for everything that stands in my way, every time I think I can't, every time I think that the, uh, something is, uh, um, beyond my ability it first of all it probably is on my own i i remember that i have a partner and, and that partner is god and nothing's beyond uh god's uh, capabilities and then i remember that my job is to take the next right step to get into action to do something and uh you know to take that first right step and uh, let god be in charge of the results and live my life of live a life of acceptance and surrender. And I think I'm getting time, getting down to my time. And uh, if I am, I'm going to just go ahead and pass. And thank you, 
And thanks, everybody. Thanks, Harlan, for asking me to speak. Thanks. Well, thank you, Craig. Thanks so much for your experience, strength, and hope. And thanks, Ros. I'm just going to stop the recording.